Amen. Today, church, we close out a series called The Treasure Principle. Um, if you've missed any of the messages, you can go and watch them off the website or off YouTube. They're, they're there. And, uh, well, let me get started this way and tell you a little. Let me ask you a question, first of all. How many, of here, how many here, you know you, you know your strengths? Like maybe you've taken a strength finder test. Have anybody ever done that? You know some of your strengths? You've done those things? Yeah, quite a few of you. You've taken a test. It gives you your top maybe five strengths. Like I've shared before, one of my top ones is learner. So I, I, I love to learn new, new things. That's why I'm always diving into podcasts or, um, list, list, or reading a blog or reading a book, constantly reading books. And I never dreamed after college I would ever open a book again. So God does change people. I'm, I love books. I can't believe I'm saying that. But it's the number one way that I learn. And so when my pastor, like, I don't know, nine years ago, ten years ago, recommended a book from the stage, I was like, I was, I was ready to devour it. And I'll never forget it. It was in Sioux Falls, where, where I moved from. And it was called The Life You Always Wanted. And I thought to myself, I want to live that life. I want the life that I always want. So I remember running home and, and getting on whatever, Amazon or whatever it was, and I'm going to order the book. And I get it ordered, and I'm, I'm excited for it because my pastor recommended it, and I'm getting into reading. And uh, all of a sudden, a book show or a box shows up. And I didn't, I didn't order multiple things, and I'm like, what? this can't be it. I mean, this box is like tiny. But I opened the little tiny box, and sure enough, I pull out this little tiny book called The Life You Always Wanted. And I thought to myself, this is the book I never wanted. I mean, what are you, what? Are you, I thought it was like a practical joke. This is what showed up. So here's the thing. I go back to the website, and I'm like, how dare they, whatever, scam. And sure enough, fine print book is two inches by two and a half inches. I'm like, so there's, there, and they have another version too, like they have a version for like regular people, and then there's the, the leprechaun version, which I, I ordered. So I, read the fine print, okay? I'm just telling you. And by the way, I refuse to read it. I'll never read this book. So I just, it's just, I'm just stubborn that way. But, but I, uh, there is a book that I read earlier in this year, and it's not a big book, it's, it's bigger than that one. But it's literally called The Treasure Principle. And I robbed the name, gave it to this series. And the reason I love this book so much is because, number one, everything that he says ties back to Scripture, which is important. But number two, he, he helped me see it from a lens I'd never seen it before when it comes to The Treasure Principle. So what is that? In a nutshell, the book and this series has been about investing in things that are bigger than this world, whether that's our, our money or our time, our lives, investing our lives in something bigger than the world. This rope's up here every week. The red tape, this is our, that's your life. I know it's kind of sad, but that's it. So everything before it is the past. Everything after it is the future, along with eternity, which will go on forever. And all we get is this. And the question is, what will we do with that little red-inch piece of tape how will we live how will we invest how will we love and, and and the joy the subtitle of the book is joy the unlocking the secret to joy and here's what i know about you even if i don't know you you want to have joy in your life like you want to live the life that god purposed and planned you want to make an impact in the world like you do, not just, not just for, for this side of heaven, not just for the temporal version, but forever. It's what you want. 
And, and the book was showing me these things that I'd never seen before. But the, one of the big things that I already knew before I read the book is this. And I wrote it down. There's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think about and handle money. There, there, is, a, there is such a deep connection and I love, I love preaching at Meadows, especially when we talk about money, because this is a church where I hope you lean in. Because I'll, I'll never stop reminding you, God doesn't want to take anything from you. He doesn't, nor does his church. He has something for you. So, when, I mean, joy is for you. Like, God's word is for you. Everything Christ said was for you. So, but there is this connection that is so deep. And, and I'll share with you in the next couple minutes something that I learned from the book that I never knew before, that I never, that I never noticed before in the word of God. You're familiar maybe with John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the, the cousin of Jesus, six months older than Jesus. Uh, he was the man that would prepare the way. He was out in the wilderness preaching, and he's preaching fire and brimstone, and he's preaching repentance, turn from your sin, turn to the Lord. There's somebody coming, he's greater than me. I'm not even worthy to, worthy to tie his sandals. And he's talking about his cousin Jesus, who he would soon baptize. So John the Baptist is, is, is in fact, many thought he was the Messiah. And he was quick to tell him, no, no, I, I'm, just, I'm just preparing the way for the one who is the Messiah. But while John was pe- preaching so prophetically, by the river, people were coming and they were, they, were, they were learning about Christ, they were getting saved, and they were getting baptized. And what's so crazy is when people got baptized, they, immediate, they immediately said, what do we do? It's like they knew my life should be different. I, I should be living differently. I shouldn't do the same things. Three different groups in Luke 3 say the same thing. Now what do we do? Because they know I should be living differently. And listen to the response. I'm not going to tell you the theme. You'll catch it. You're a smart group. You'll catch it. Listen to what John says that I've never seen before. The theme that he gives. Let's start with Luke 3, 10. The crowds. Now the crowds are asking, what should we do? John replied, well, if you got two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. So right away we're learning for the crowds, everyone should share. Share what you have that you don't need. Share the abundance of your clothes. Share food with the poor. That's what, you think, you think it'd be something so more like dramatic. What should we do? We'll sell everything and you'll move, be a missionary. He's like, nope, just share your things with the poor. Continue with the next verse, Luke 3, 12. Now the corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized. I love that. And they asked, What do we do, teacher? What does John say to them? Collect no more taxes than the government requires. In other words, tax collectors don't pocket any extra money, which they were known to do. I mean, that's what they kind of, that's how they got so rich and were so well off as they would collect more than needed. I kind of wish John would have just stopped and said, just collect no more taxes and left off than the government requires. Because he would have set a precedent anyway. So, um, but he says, collect, stop collecting extra money. Let's continue. Luke, four, Luke 3, 14. The third group. So remember, first it was the crowds. Then it was the corrupt tax collectors. Now it's the soldiers. Now the soldiers are asking, hey, what do we do? John. And John said, don't extort money. Stop coercing others out of money. Or make false accusations. And be content with your pay. 
Be content with what you make. It's, it's so, it's, I've never seen it. So be content with your wages. Don't extort money. There's something that John desperately wanted his audience to know. That our approach to money and possessions is central to our spiritual lives. It is central. Like, it's amazing that it all ties to that. And, and church, it's all over the word of God. I've shared with you before how Jesus would speak on possessions and money and things more than anything else. Not because he wants to take anything from us. We don't have to get tense about that. Jesus loves you. He has nothing but abundant life for you, joy for you, peace for you, provision for you. Provision in bigger ways than we, we tend to think money all the time. Your God's bigger. He is bigger. So, closing out this series, I'm going to summarize some of the things that Jesus said when it comes to the topic. And, and, and then close with a scripture that is the pinnacle of the entire series. In Luke 12, 20, if we stay in Luke... Where, we, where we've been with John the Baptist, there's, Jesus told the story one time of a guy, a farmer, who ha had a lot of crops. And he had a huge harvest. And he already had an abundance. His barns and silos, everything, it was full. And he's like, well, what am I going to do now? I got a huge harvest coming in. And, and, the, and the farmer says, I know, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll build bigger barns. I'll build more storage. And I'll just pack it in, and then I'll sit back. I'll eat, drink. Be merry. In other words, I'm going to retire, and it'll be easy living. In Luke 12, 20, you can read the whole story. This is what God said to him after he made the statement. God said to him, you fool. You will die this very night. Then who will get everything that you worked for? In other words, you're thinking so temporal. You're thinking so, like, not eternal. I'm telling you, one of the biggest indicators of our relationship to Jesus is how we handle money. It's one of the, this is why Jesus would speak on it. Luke, you'll know this story. Luke 19, even if you didn't grow up in church, you heard of Zacchaeus, right? You, some of you know the song. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a... Yes, he was. See, if anybody wants this book, it'd be little Zacchaeus, not me. So, anyway, that's, I can't get that out of my... <clears throat> so... You know the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, if you don't know the details, he was a tax collector. Like, and not just a tax collector, but like he was in charge of tax collectors. He was like a chief tax collector. So he, if, if they were skimming and getting more from the people, then he was getting even more because it would flow to him as well. Zacchaeus was well off. Money wasn't an issue. He liked money. He, he, was, he, was, he enjoyed his things. That's why he was a tax collector. That's what it was all about. Zacchaeus one day, you know the story, climbs up in a sycamore tree and he sees Jesus. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus and says, hey, I want to go to your house today. Hang out. Zacchaeus is like, oh my gosh. So Zacchaeus jumps down from the tree and they go to Zacchaeus' house. And, and this is crazy. Remember what's important to Zacchaeus. Money. It's his whole life. It's what he cares about. He meets Christ Jesus. And the first words that we ever hear Zacchaeus speak in the word of God, I will give. I'll give it away. I'll give it away. Well, let me just tell you, rather than me paraphrase, Luke 19, verse 8. Meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give. I'll give half of my wealth to the poor, Lord. And listen to me, Lord, if I've cheated on any of their taxes, I will give back four times as much. 
Zacchaeus, are you insane? You're going to be giving all your money away. He didn't care because he'd had a heart transformation. Do you see the connection? I'll get back four times as much. Jesus responds to that statement. Jesus says, did you hear what he said? He's saved. Heaven is his home. Well, Jesus said salvation has come to this house. This man has proven himself to be a son of Abraham. But, paraphrase, he's saved. Well, Jesus, he didn't pray a special prayer. He didn't ask you to come into his little heart or your heart and all that. I don't get it. And Jesus would say, you don't, you don't need to get it. I, look what he's doing. He's a different person. His heart has been transformed. Money used to be everything for him, and now it's nothing. I'm telling you, his heart has been transformed. It is such a, it is so crazy. I put down Zacchaeus' new approach to money proved his heart had been transformed. Like, like we, can, we can say all we want, I'm a follower of Jesus, right? I'm, I go to church on Sundays. We can post all we want. The joy of the Lord is my strength. But it doesn't matter what we post. It doesn't matter what we say or declare. What truly matters is what we demonstrate. For faith without works is no faith at all. That's what the word of God says. It doesn't matter what we say at the end of the day if our actions don't back it up. And that's what Jesus looked at. He's like, oh my gosh, salvation's come to you, Zacchaeus. It's just so crazy. So a few verses later, in the same chapter, Matthew 19, to show you how, how crazy that salvation is tied to giving, and no giving doesn't save you, but, but you're seeing that a heart transformation and having Christ in you does. A man asked Jesus, how do I get to heaven? Don't you want to know that? Of all the questions we could ask, I want to know that. Jesus is like, well, how are you doing with the commandments? Are you being obedient? The guy's like, I'm all over it. Cool. The guy's rich, just like Zacchaeus. He had a lot of cash. And just like Zacchaeus, his cash had him. It was his idol. It was what he liked. And Jesus knew that because Jesus knows us. He created us. And Jesus says, gosh, he kept all the commandments. The guy's like, yep, I'm, I'm on it. He said, well... Well, let me just read it out of Scripture. Matthew 19, 21. If you want to be perfect, go and sell all your stuff and give the money to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. If You know, the story, it's a sad one. Jesus offers eternal life, telling him what he could do to get it. And he says, my stuff is too important. I'm going to keep it and choose hell. And it happens every day. It's crazy. That, that, that's one of the, see, the man, Jesus knew the man couldn't serve both God and money. The word of God says just that. Jesus knew that before the man could truly sell out to G Jesus, he would have to dethrone the idol of money. Because you can't have two gods on one throne that's impossible it's why jesus i think brings up giving so much and it's why we like to i wrote down by not telling you or people about giving you know what we do we rob you of the joy of trusting god we rob you of the privilege of having a hand in the part of building the kingdom of god it's this big this rich young ruler 
And idol worship is, is what gets most of us. It's not like the statues or the deities maybe back 2,000 years ago. They look different today. And, and the thing about idols, they're not bad, most of them. They're actually good. That's why they're idols. Money is not bad. I, I want money. Bring it on. We, we can do great things with money. We can glorify God with money. We can build uh, worship centers and uh, meadows, uh, um, house of hope or whatever we want to call it with money. You bet we can. It's just a tool. It's not good or bad. But, but think about, I'll, I'll tell you, here are the top idols that I, I would say there are. Money is certainly number one. That's why Jesus talked about it a lot. Uh, and right behind it is people. Right behind it is your husband or your wife or your boyfriend or your girlfriend. Right, right next to that is, is your family. And I'll guarantee you parents, probably above any of that is your kids. That's your idol, okay? Not, maybe not all of you. You know who you are. My kids have been my idol in my life at times. How many times have you heard a parent say like I have, I would do anything for my kids. I would die for my kids. Here's the problem with the statement. Jesus didn't ask us to do anything for our kids. He asked us to do anything for him. Jesus didn't ask you to die for your kids. He's already done that. What he asked you is to surrender and die to yourself and live for him and point your kids to him as well. We, 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 I'm telling you, we will, and I, again, I'm the guilty party up here talking. The idols we put in our lives, they're not the bad things generally. Some are. But by and large, you have no clue it's an idol because you've been convinced by the world and by society and by culture that you can never love your kid enough. You can never love your spouse enough. And you should love your kids and you should love your spouse and you should love your family but to love them more than, than love God, that's an idol problem. And only one can be on the throne. So it's, it's a big deal. That's why Jesus would say, you leave, you would, he gives, well, that's a whole other topic, so I don't have time. But trust me, idol worship is a big deal. And money's maybe the biggest. And that's why Jesus talks about it more than anything else. Because he wants joy for your life, not bondage. Bond, Zacchaeus was in bondage. The rich young ruler, unless he repented later, he's not only in bondage, but as I speak to you, he's in hell. Like he was a real person. That wasn't a parable. That was like happening. Jesus had that conversation with him. So let's, let's get to the final verse. The, the crux of the treasure principle. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then, in his joy, say joy, mm -hmm, he went and sold all he had, everything, to buy the field. It's a crazy statement. Jesus is, is talking about the kingdom of heaven, and he uses his parable to illustrate it. And it can be confusing. Number one, the, the, the number one thing I don't want you to miss in the statement is the term, in his joy. Why would the man have so much joy? The man found it, and he's going to give up everything. He's going to sell his house, sell his cars, sell everything just to buy the field. And he has tremendous joy doing it. In his joy. I love that. I've, I've, I've preached on this once before, but it's been years. Tradition to this, I've heard it taught in traditional teachings and meanings People think, well, the kingdom of God is like a treasure hidden in a field. So the treasure hidden in the field is the kingdom of God. 
But if that's truly what Jesus meant, it really doesn't make sense in a few different ways. If that's literally what he's trying to say. Number one, you can't find, like, the kingdom of God. You don't, you don't go find God. You don't find God. God finds you. Does that make sense? In the Garden of Eden, God wasn't the one hiding. And God's not hiding from you either. Right? Adam and Eve were hiding. God had to go looking for them. So, so you, you, don't, you can't find it. And number two, you can't hide it. You can't hide the kingdom of God. And number three, you can't buy it. You certainly can't buy it. If you could, well, the rich young ruler would have been set. You want the kingdom of God? Well, you got a lot of stuff. Well, let me tell you. You sell this and you could buy this. You can't buy it. See, this is, this is, when you hear, there's a lot of parables in the word of God that have to do with farming and crops. In many of those, like, like this one, we can leave the scripture up for just a second because I want to just illustrate something. When you see the word field, not all, but many parables, the field is the world. That's what the field represents. And I believe that's what it represents in this parable. See, the field is the world. The field is the lost people. It's what it represents. You know, and some of you know this, Meadows Church is looking to buy a field. And the field that we've been talking about in this series is just right across the, the driveway that you pulled up in this morning. Um, yeah, there, there, there is a picture. This field is what we're truly going after because where we meet right now is sold. It's bought by Vita Nova, an incredible nonprofit that we are going to continually partner with. But we know that our days here, in this side of the driveway, in, these, in this building, our days are limited. We've been told that. We know that. But it's interesting. The owner owns the field as well as the property that we meet at. So the field is what we've been looking at and going after. And understand something. The field does represent the world. The field, don't look at it like, oh, the field is dirt. Yeah, I get what it physically is, but we're not buying what it physically is. We'd be buying what it represents. People that you know, people that you love, people that you live with, people that you work with, people that you don't know that God's going to introduce you to. Friends that you have, they don't know Christ. Family that you have, they don't know their purpose. Children that you know that they're, not, they're, they're, they're going the wrong way, not the, Yahweh. And we're going to do things like we've, I don't know, do we have the list that we've been praying over what the field represents? Yeah, some of you have the card that you've been praying over, we hope. So not only will it be, that's why you can't just really call it, when you say, oh, we're going to build a church, we think Sunday morning. It's so much bigger. It's a worship center. It's a house of prayer. It's a place to, to get taught the word of God in a deeper level. Training in the word of God because you can't know it too much. Discovering your purpose. If you ask most people, including many of you maybe, what's your purpose? Well, I'm, I'm a doctor. Well, I'm a, I'm a plumber. I didn't ask what you do. I asked what, you, what is your purpose? Well, I'm a mom. But, but is that your God-given purpose? Just that. Not that that's not a big deal. It is. But why do you exist? The word of God shows you why you exist. I'll give you a hint. Nothing, there's, there's universal purpose and then there's individual purpose. Universal purpose, love God. That's your, that's your God-given purpose. Love others, that's your God-given purpose. Go and make disciples of all the nations, that's your God-given purpose. Uh, baptize people in the name of Jesus, that's your purpose. Teach people to obey the word of God, that's your purpose. All those five. 
your universal purposes for everybody who's in Christ right now. You also have an individual purpose that is unique that we would help you discern through seminars and things like that. Leadership development, Mecca, would happen. It's not the field, it's what happens on it. It's not the dirt, it's what God does on top of the dirt through the people. Raising up the next generation. We love kids ministry. We love youth ministry. Those are the future leaders. That's the treasure that we're investing in. Youth and kids events happening after school. Whatever we can do to bring them into an environment where they can meet Jesus and love others and learn more about him. Recovery. After services today, I'm meeting with a small group of people. And and recovery is going to get up and running again at Meadows Church at the beginning of the year. And when I say recovery, I'm talking, it hits all of you. Oh, it's not just drugs, nope. It's not just alcohol, nope. Hurts, habits, hang-ups, past, past regrets, past abuse, neglect, codependency. All those things fall into uh, celebrate recovery. And that's going to be happening. But the thing is, when you have that, here we can do it. Maybe we got to pick a certain night or a certain room. When we have the land and we have a place to do it, God can decide when and where he wants it and how he wants it done and to what scale. And last but not least, and probably what's gotten the most feedback from you, is the mental health hub that would happen um, on the field. See, the field is just the foundation. It's, it's the world that it's going to impact is what we're, we're excited about. People are dying from mental health issues. People are in, in isolation. People are in bondage. People are... I mean, they are chained up in their mind, and they're not getting the help that they need. And we want to be a hub at Meadows Church where we can equip many of you that feel called to be that person that we could train to help people and raise people up to help others so people aren't waiting four to six weeks or even one to two months to see even somebody about a mental health um, appointment. So that is huge. And it's all wrapped around a year-end faith offering that we're doing. The field is a million, just over a million. And our goal is to put down 10% to the Wesleyan Investment Foundation to show them we're serious about what God wants to do. And that would be 100,000. And, uh, and I gotta tell you, we've already had big gifts come in and I'm so grateful. And, I, I, and we've asked you just what the card said. Be praying about what God can do or what God wants to do through you. I will promise you whatever you invest is, etern- is eternal. Everything that's happening there points, points way beyond this world. Just know that. And I know that you want to invest in something bigger than just this world, because this world doesn't offer much. So, with that said, I don't know what the future looks like. I, and I don't know, you know, God, we put it in his hands, but I know that he's putting it back in our hands and saying, okay, is it, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen from him through you and through me. And it will take every one of us. Make no mistake. I know that. I mean, last year, the year in faith offering was 31000 So to triple it and more, God's going to have to show up mightily. But we believe we serve a mighty God. And, th- and that's why I love the statement. We just believe that we're, if God's guiding us there, he'll provide. And he's going to provide through us. Again, if God's guiding it, he provides. And we're going to keep trusting in that God. We're going to keep trusting in that Lord. Like, we're going to trust God until we see God. And in this church, we're going to preach Christ until we see Christ. Because our God is not only with us, our God is for us. And I came to tell somebody, if our God is for us, then who can be against us? Come on, God. We're going after what God wants. and Because and, we want that. 
The field is the world. It's people you know and people you don't know. It's people that matter to God. And many of those people matter to you right now because you know them. The man is Jesus. And the treasure, what's you? The field is the world. The man finds a treasure. Jesus finds a treasure. Sells it all to buy the field. Every, but I wrote down, the Bible says you were bought with a price. That's what the word of God says. Gives up everything. If you don't know the gospel, the Lord Jesus gave up everything. Gave it all up to come for you. Gave up deity. Gave up his throne. Gave up power. Gave up authority in the moment to come here. And it's not about anything that we do. I love that. That's why you can't do it. Only Jesus can do it. It's about what Jesus did because of his love for us. God bought the whole field. Knowing that many of the people in the field would rebel against him and never turn to him. He still buys it all. The love of the Father. The price J Jesus paid, the price he paid was for all people. It's just up to you and me to decide whether we want that gift. Whether we want that treasure that he offers us of eternal life that the rich young ruler passed on and Zacchaeus grabbed a hold of. Value. I prayed this week over you and I thought, I wonder how many people will walk in the doors or log in online and they'll come in with a smile and they'll look good on the outside, but they'll not be good on the inside. And I wonder how many marriages are struggling and how many kids are really at odds with other kids or at odds with their parents. And things aren't okay. And people come here and they don't feel valuable. That's why we need mental health hubs and things like that too. And the word of God coming at you. You know, value is based on what someone would pay for something, right? You should, you, should, you should be getting encouraged at this moment because I just told you what Jesus paid, that God would buy the whole field. But God, there's some, there some bad parts in the field. There's some, there some parts that will never produce crops. There's some parts that are underwater. And God says, I'm going to buy it all. I see it all as valuable. I see it all as valuable. And I wonder who walked in here and you're not feeling valuable and you're not feeling loved. And you just celebrated Thanksgiving, but deep down in your heart, the gratitude, it's hard to find it. Because of what maybe is happening in your life or has happened in your life or someone who has hurt you in your life. A breakup that you're going through. A lie that you're believing that isn't true. And if anything else out of this message, I pray that you'll dispel the lie and embrace the truth. Because this is the truth. If value is based on what someone will pay for something, you're pretty valuable. Because the highest price that could ever be paid was paid for you. You want to know what you're worth? The blood of Jesus. It doesn't get bigger than that.
that Jesus Christ would, would be murdered on a cross willingly. The joy set before him, he climbs up on a cross for you. I'll buy the field. I'll take it all. But, but, but you don't understand, God, all those people there, not only will they never accept you, but they will rebel against you and talk about you and try to lead others away. And God's like, maybe you didn't hear me the first time. I'll buy it all. And he stamped it with Jesus. And Jesus dies to cover a debt in you and me that we can't cover. A drug addiction that I couldn't overcome. Maybe in your life, I don't know what it is, but I know there's something in you that has drugged you down. Things that you've done that you would regret, that you'd be embarrassed if anybody else would know. But God already knows, and he sent Christ anyway. That's good news for you and for me. So salvation, while our money and our giving is tied to it because it's a symptom of the heart, and, and, and where your treasure is, there are the desires of your heart will be, the word of God says. Giving, obviously, doesn't save you, but it's a huge indicator, probably the biggest, of where you're at. Back to the gospel. If you would just believe that Jesus Christ died on a cross but didn't stay dead, but three days later, Marley, three days later, he rose from the dead. That's the key. A lot of people died on a cross. One man brought himself back to life. Next week, we start a series called, a series called The Miracles of Jesus. Actually, it's called The Miracles of Christmas. But Jesus is all over that. You get that. Call on his name. Ask him to come into you and make you new. No, praying a prayer doesn't save you. Surrender. Repentance. Belief. All that tied in. This is what I want to do to close. I'm going to pray over you. Before I do, I'll tell you this. I, I, one of these books I, we have for each and every one of you. So this is a gift for you. It's, again, it's, it's not as small as the other one, but it's pretty small, so it won't take long. And, I, and there's, there's, sections in, there's a section in the back. It's, it's like questions and just really like hardcore stuff that people want to know about money and giving and churches and stuff like that. Even if you read that, it'll change you, I promise you. But, there, but when you walk out of these doors, just, I know the exit's left, left to the left today, but just go to the right a little bit, and there's a table there. You'll see these lined up on the table. Grab one. And just see what God does through you as you read it. And maybe it'll hit you like it hit me. I hope so, because the Word of God is in it. And the Bible says the Word of God never returns void. You're saved when you surrender your life to Christ, believe He's the Son of God the savior of the world. God bought the whole field. And when you believe that and you ask him to cover your sins or take your sins away by his grace, that you believe that he'll do it. And you call on his name. I'm a wreck. I'm a mess. And some of you, that's exactly where you're at today. Don't leave here until you let us pray with you or over you. Don't leave here until you know that you know that you know that heaven is your home. This world is short, shorter than you realize. But there is a world to come for eternity. And it's hell or heaven. There's, those are two options. 
And it's not about being good or bad. It's about being saved or not. Unsaved people will go to hell. Even though Jesus died for them too. They just didn't receive it. They just didn't accept it. Accept it. Accept the gift of grace. And, 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 and last but not least, this is the final week I can even ask you to pray over this. The year-end faith offering. If you've missed the vision casting, watch it on YouTube. It's called The Future. The Future Vision is Greater. It's a half hour. It, it, it's everything about what we we're asking God to do, but it's going to happen through you and through me. I know that. Money is one of the hardest things I dealt with in my life. It's one of the hardest things that I ever wanted to trust God with or trust a church with because they're the bride of Christ. Maybe that's you. I'm going to ask you, if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. And I've taken a few of the questions from the book. There was many in the back, but I picked like six or so. I'm going to pray them over you right now. For some of you, everyone will hit you in a way. For others, some will resonate and some really won't apply. And for others in the room and watching online, it might be just one of them that you're like, oh my gosh, that was for me. And that's, God's going to do something in that. And this is for people where you're having a hard time maybe in, in giving, in trusting God with finances. And before I pray these, I'm going to tell you something. If you need help with finances or you need help with someone walking with you to get your budget figured out, we want to do that. That's, that's part of what we do as a church for you. That's part of, we, we want to value you in that way. So just write finance help on a card or come talk to somebody with a lanyard and we'll set you up. But there's hope. Church, hear this. There, there's joy in giving. That's what the book is all about. Listen, and I'm not talking about the book, The Treasure Principle. I'm talking about the Word of God. For God so loved the world he gave. Your God's a giver. And I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for it. Let me pray over you. Lord, in your word, you make a direct connection between experiencing your grace and expressing that grace through giving. God, help me reflect, does my giving to kingdom causes show that I've recognized and embraced that grace? God, speak to me boldly. Lord, have I overaccumulated in this life? Have I allowed unwise spending or accumulating debt to inhibit my giving to you? Lord, have I, have I ever said or thought, I don't have enough left to give while maintaining spending habits that make sure I'll never have enough to give. God, if that's me, speak to me. Show me. Guide me. Lord, have I fallen for the lie that I don't have enough to give, despite the fact that the greatest examples of giving in Scripture were from people who were not financially well off. The churches in Macedonia, they gave all they had. The woman gave two pennies, and Jesus said she gave the most. Have I used that? What I don't have as an excuse not to give any. Father, if I can talk candidly, 
Wall Street can't touch the eternal returns of investing in your kingdom. Why are my eyes so focused, God, on the temporary, earthly investments? Lord, broaden my perspective today. Increase my faith today. Expand my investment, eternal investment mentality today, God, help me. Father, when I meet you face to face, will I wish I'd given away more? Help me by your grace to close the gap between what I'm giving now and what one day I'll wish I had given. Lastly, Father, please empower me to live each day here as I'll wish I'd live five minutes after I die. God, we get one shot. That's what my pastor used to always tell me. Monty, you get one shot. You, you get this little piece of tape. That's it. What will you do? What will you invest in? God, help us look forward to heaven and a new earth and storing up treasure there. Oh, God, how I long to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. God, show me the steps I can take today to ensure that happens according to your plan, Father. Do a work in us. God, this is your church. These are your people. For those that need to surrender everything to you, God, I pray they do it now in Jesus' name. For those that maybe have never trusted you financially with anything, God, help them take a step, whatever that looks like, according to the Holy Spirit speaking to them boldly today. God, next week we have a year-end faith offering, December 3rd. People are giving to it now on Venmo and online. God, I thank you for provision that has already come in towards the, the vision you've given us, God. I pray that it will continue according to your will. I pray that you do what only you can do. And God, for the person struggling and hurting in any way, I pray that after we worship in song and praise you together, that, we will, that they will come to the prayer team right up here and let us pray with them and for them because this is a house of prayer. I'm pretty sure people will figure that out by now as we pray together, as we pray to, um, collectively, as we get into the word of God and as we pray to you now. On this rock you said you would build a church and you said the gates of hell will not prevail. That is a promise that we cling to, God. We love you. We thank you. And we declare that if we follow you wholeheartedly, for our lives, the best is yet to come. In Jesus' name, I pray and the church says, amen. Hey, I want to thank you so much for tuning in today. But don't stop there. Like or subscribe to this channel so you don't miss a single video, update, or message. And not only that, share this message with a friend or somebody that you know. So many people out there need hope and encouragement, and you have the ability to bring that to them. Finally, if you're in the Omaha area, we would love to have you join us. We would love to meet you. God bless you.